Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you've done for us. And Lord, maybe it's not really your birthday on December the 25th, but Lord, the whole world knows about you on that day. And so we celebrate you, and we thank you for it. And Lord, we ask that you bless the service today and that everything would be done decently and in order and that the kids would remember their parts and they would have fun and um, also just bless the praise and worship. And more than anything, we just give you all the praise and honor and glory, and we thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.
mighty God, brings the peace, everlasting Father, Emmanuel, Holy One, Son of God, Savior of the world. And the greatness of His reign. Yes, 
Comedy Hour at the Spirit of Prophecy Church. <laughs> well, let's pray. <laughs> Father in heaven, I ask you to bless Apostle Stan. Uh, it's going to be a good message today because he's filled with the Holy Ghost and rivers of living water are going to flow out of yeah. his belly. It's going <clears> to <throat> splash all over the people, even on the internet. Amen? So, Lord, yeah. let him have the anointing, your love, and your joy in this season to come down. If you are depressed, it's a good thing you've tuned in today and that you're here because you are going to have a wonderful message. I don't know what it's about, but the good news, Jesus. it's a joyful season. Yeah, he's going to point you towards Jesus. Lord, let him have amen. the anointing in Jesus' amen. name. Amen. 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 Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for opening a door that we could once again come in and live eternally with you. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. And this morning, as a congregation, we say, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee when thy judgments are made manifest. And Lord, today, this congregation and all of the world comes to worship you. And yes, Lord, as Leslie said, it's probably not your birthday. But we celebrate you all the time. We celebrate you every day. Amen. We celebrate the fact that you came. No one took your life. You laid it down. We celebrate that you were brought forth in such a time, in such a place that was perfect. Your perfect will was done. And Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes, open our ears, our heart, and you would speak to us this morning. Speak to us and help us to understand by revelation knowledge your great act of stepping out of eternity down into a flesh body as a Lamb of God to die to open up the door to eternity for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so our topic today is going to appear on that screen before long. It'll probably appear. I was driving down the road and I said to Leslie, <clears throat> I says, I just, it's just not in my heart right now to do a Bible study. She says, so you're enjoying your Friday nights off? And I said, Yes, but it's just not in my heart. She says, well, you've done a Bible study for 40 years. And I said, I, I just, it's just not in my heart to do a Bible study right now. 
But I think that is, is because there's about to be a lot of changes in the world. Some good, some bad. But the great battle is getting closer and closer. The great battle of which, in the end, we win. Amen. Yep. There's going to be some defeats and there's going to be some victories, but in the end, we win the battle. Because our Lord Jesus gives us the victory. Amen. And yes, uh, I feel like I need to... Like we could hang meat in here. I don't know about you, but I'm cold. <laughs> it's like there's no fan blowing on me today. Like I need a fire. Um, as we look into eternity, first of all, let's go back to that moment. This is before God said, let there be light. The Father and the Son made an agreement. The Father being light, the Father being wisdom, and those people that have had visitations where they've been taken to heaven, Bree Keaton, Maurice Scalar, Shauna, just told us about also being, they said when, we, when they looked in at the Father, they said all they could see was just a bright light that they could barely look at. Most of them said they can't even look at it. The Father knows the end from the beginning. And he brought forth his son. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, because he's the flesh part of the Father. So the Father already knew that Adam, was gonna, Adam and Eve would both fall. And he brought forth his only son as a sacrifice for that. And they wrote a book, several books actually. And in that book, they wrote my name, in your name, yes. right? Yes. We're the only ones that can take it out. We're the only ones that can put it in. We take it out by our decision, and we put it in by our decision. But see, the Father already knew the end from the beginning. And Jesus had already agreed that he would be the Lamb of God. I can just hear it now. I can hear the Father saying, you realize if we make man... If we create Adam, if we create this earth, if we create the heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things that are therein, if we do that, you understand they're going to fall. You understand they're going to fail. And you understand you are going to have to be the propitiation. You're going to have to be the recompense. You're going to have to be the thing that will correct it. You understand that. And I could just see Jesus saying, yes, okay, no, let me explain. Here's what you're going to have to do to correct it. You're going to have to come down out of eternity into a flesh body. The Bible says that he came forth in the fullness of time. In other words, Jesus came into the world at exactly the right moment, at exactly the right place, and that's what we're going to talk about today, to fulfill all of the prophecies to fulfill that promise that was made before God said, let there be light. Before he decided he was going to make creation. Jesus had already agreed to, already decided, already knew that he was going to have to suffer the most painful, the most embarrassing, the, the worst death of any human he was going to have to go through to fix what we broke. And he said yes, and I'm glad he did. Yeah. 
I was talking with, uh, I mentioned last week that I give blood, and uh, when, when, as I mentioned last week, they, they take you into a little room, and you got to answer all these questions. You know, have you been outside the United States? Have you had sex with a man? Or, you know, okay, I mean, all, really, you know, they, all these questions about giving blood. You want to make certain your blood's not tainted. And so it gives me an opportunity to talk to him. It's like, do you really want to be locked in the room with Stan Johnson for about <laughs> 10 or 15 minutes? But part of what I said was, do you understand the difference between Christianity and all of the other religions of the world? And it was like that, it's like that question caught her. She turned and she looked directly in my eyes and she says, no. And I could, I could feel in her heart that she was searching. That's a good thing. Bible says, if you will search me with all of your heart, you'll find me. Problem is, a lot of times people just simply don't search. No, I don't. I said, well, all of the other religions say that there are a lot of pathways to God. But Christianity is different. Christianity says that there's only one way to heaven. Christianity says that Jesus is the door, the way, the truth, the life. And that no man comes to the Father but through this door, through that finished sacrifice, which we're about to talk about today. Yes, we're talking about the birth of Jesus. Now, I'm going to get there. But I look up here, and I've got a little bit extra time today, so <laughs> hot dog. I said, Jesus is the door. In Christianity, we say there's only one way to be saved, and that is through the finished work on the cross. But before God said, let there be light, before creation began, Jesus had already agreed to this moment. Now, in that moment, here's what happened. Jesus came forth, the Bible says, in the fullness of time. So we have the Father, which is light, the Son, which is flesh, and then the Holy Spirit, which is spirit. So we have light, flesh, spirit. Those three are one. Those three are God. And one-third of that God, the flesh part, said, okay, I'm coming down out of eternity into a body and I'm going to allow them to nail me to the cross to correct the mistake that Adam and Eve did. Now, start with a little bit of lighthearted stuff here before we get to the more serious stuff. This, uh, I pulled this right off the internet, October 21, 2020, but she made some important points. Why Jesus compares us to sheep. A farmer stretched a rope across the door of a barn and called the sheep out. He let a few sheep jump over the rope as they exited the barn, then he removed the rope, but the sheep continued to jump over the invisible rope, not thinking twice. We're kind of like that sometimes. <laughs> really? Really? We do things sometimes without thinking while we do it. So we are kind of like sheep. Another story is 1,500 sheep were unattended. They got scared, started running. They ran off the cliff. The first 400 died, but 1,100 lived. Now, the reason the first 400 
would be broke the fall for the remaining 1,100. In other words, the all 1,500 would over the critical cliff. You, you heard the story. Because they just follow. But we as Christians have to not just jump over the invisible rope. We have to, at some point in our life, stop and say, okay, look it. This God that made me, I want to find him. And if there's a way I can live eternally in, in the most wonderful world, the Bible says that eye has not seen, the mind of man have not conceived of what God has laid up for those that love him. In other words, eternity with him is going to be so good, we can't even imagine how good it is. We can't even imagine. Talked to a lady, which, by the way, we're going to have her come and, and, and be a speaker. I'm not going to get into the story. It'll get me off track, but... <clears throat> She, uh, she was taken to heaven, and we've known her for 21 or 22 years, okay? And she says, I saw the pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God. She says, it had no banks, but it stayed in the banks. So try to imagine water flowing out of the throne, but it had no banks, but it stayed, it flowed where it was supposed to flow. She says, and the water was so crystal clear, I cannot begin to explain to you. And underneath the water, you could see right through the water, there were diamonds and rubies and all kinds of amazing things under the water. Now, that's just the water, which we, by the way, get to drink of. Pure river water of life. We were compared to sheep because we follow anyone without thinking. We have no sense of direction, and we cannot defend ourselves in times of trouble. True. We Christians tend not to defend ourselves so much. I'm talking about personally. Now, as a nation, God has arranged for that, at least in the past. Isaiah 53 says, All we like sheep have gone astray and returned everyone his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Now, what does that mean? All we like sheep have sinned, and we've done our own way. We've turned everyone his own. We've done what our heart wants to do, Bible says the heart of man is continually evil. Who can know it? So when we do what is in our heart to do, we do evil. That's what happened when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. That evil seed, that DNA, whatever it was, came in through that fruit. And all of a sudden, we did evil rather than good. And it was passed down through the generations. She says, number two, sheep have heart and recognize the shepherd's voice. Sheep have a remarkable instinct for knowing the voice of their shepherd as they are emotional creatures. Amazingly, they will fear a stranger's voice and flee. Since they are emotional, they also have the ability to build friendships with other, other sheep. They get anxious, distressed, or feel sad when their sheep friends are gone or dead. Just like sheep, we get anxious, distressed, and feel sadness. It is important we listen for the shepherd's voice to keep us calm in times of trouble. Otherwise, we could be led off of a stranger's voice and encounter real harm. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Amen. So, before we found Jesus, now think about it. In our lives, before we found Jesus, were we not lost? Yeah. It was like, you know, what, what's life all about? Right? What's life all about? What, what am I supposed to do? I mean... Why am I here? What's happening? You know, we were really lost. And it's like the one person said, Mommy, Mommy, why do I keep running in circles? Shut up or I'll nail the other foot down. 
Well, it's kind of us, you know, we were just going all kinds of directions. We didn't know. We hadn't, we hadn't found the path. Jesus says, I am the way. I'm the path. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. I am the door. There is one man between God and man, and as the man, Christ Jesus. He is the way. Christianity is the only religion out there. By the way, I'm getting a hum up here. <clears throat> So probably need to drop it out of the monitors here. Somehow, somewhere there. Anyway, sheep are not meant to carry burdens. You will never see sheep carrying a pack on the back. And I thought about that, and I said, you know what? That's right. Other animals are good for carrying things, but not sheep. They were not meant to carry a heavy load. In fact, they would be crushed under such a weighty burden. We were not meant to carry our burdens either. In fact, we are to give Jesus our heavy load so that he can carry it for us. He says, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never su suffer the righteous or allow the righteous to be moved. Meaning, we are, when, when we are down, we are depressed, when things are falling apart, when we don't have the money to pay our bill, da 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 da, -da he says, tell me about it. Cast it on me. And he can fix that thing that can't be fixed. He can touch that place we can't touch. He can heal that person. He can get that person saved that, that will simply not listen to us. Right? Sheep will settle for less. When sheep are thirsty, they will stop at a dirty puddle right in front of them instead of going for a clean, still waters uh, just 10 feet ahead. Sadly, they are content with fill so long as it satisfies at the moment. Furthermore, they will stink and never know it. Truthfully, they lack discernment and judgment and, frankly, don't know what is good for them. <laughs> Surely not. Many of us have settled for less and not realized there was clean water ten feet ahead. We tend to be content with filth and don't know we stink. That's why we need a shepherd. He leads us to better things and cleans us up when no one else would touch us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in the green pastures, the best place. He leads me beside the still waters. If we do things, if we're left alone to our own devices, then we tend to walk in the wrong path. If we just do what we feel, we do the wrong thing, right? Finally, sheep are valuable. Sheep are treated as prized possessions in Jesus' day. You were counted a wealthy man if you owned large flocks because they provided meat, milk, wool, in addition, they produced offspring. Shepherds made many sacrifices to make sure their flocks were protected. They knew it was their livelihood at stake. <coughs> How much more precious are we than smelly sheep? God compares us to sheep in the Bible because he views us as priceless, so valuable that he is, was willing to give, us, give his life for us. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming and said to him, Behold, the Lamb of God, and that's the big point I'm talking about today. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Ah, back up. So why do we need a shepherd? In summary, just like sheep, we have no direction without Jesus, the good shepherd. We lack protection on every side. We were never meant to carry a heavy load. Furthermore, we need someone to show us a better way so we don't settle for less. Even though sheep are dirty, smelly, and lack sense, God made them valuable. In fact, they are a symbol of great blessing and prosperity. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and lead them into living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Amen. All right, now let's get into the message for today.
in Luke chapter 2, it probably has the one single best overview of the birth of Jesus. It says, It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Can you imagine before then there wasn't taxes? Wouldn't that have been nice? And this tasking was first made by Serenius, the governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. So, once a year they had to pay their tax. Everybody had to go to the city of their birth. Now, today that was a whole lot more difficult than it was then, because most people lived pretty close to where they were born then. So, in most cases it was probably an hour or two uh, walk to that area, and then they had to turn in whatever the tax was. And all went to be taxed, everyone in his own city. And Joseph also went to Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Now that's important because the prophecy said that Messiah, or Jesus, or the Christ, or the Savior, would all come from the house of David, or from his lineage, and that he would come from a specific location on earth. To be taxed, marry his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, this is probably the most misunderstood scripture in the Bible. So let me try to bring some clarification. We talked about this a little bit last year. She brought forth her firstborn son. Jesus, genetically, we know, was literally half man, half God. Ron Wyatt said when he scraped the blood off of the west side of the Ark of the Covenant into one of those little film containers, he said, I scraped it in there, then took it to the lab and had them, he said, tell me what it is. And they said, well, you know, we tell you real quick, it's blood. Where did it come from? No, I'm not going to tell you where it came from, just tell me about the blood. And he said, if you don't mind, I'd like to see there, be there when you test it. So they reconstituted it. And now what does that mean? He said they put distilled water in it, and then for 24 hours, they did like this to let, let all this dried blood absorb that, that, that distilled water. And after that, they looked into it and they said, well, we can see it's human blood. Whose blood is this? He said, no, I'm not going to tell you that yet. Just tell me what you see. So they analyzed the blood. It's the blood of a human, blood of one human, but it's different than all other human blood on earth. So they looked into it and they said, this blood is like impossible because this only has one set of chromosomes. See, normally human blood has 23 chromosomes from the male, 23 chromosomes from the female, and then it has either an X or a Y chromosome to make it either male or female, right? Well, this <clears throat> only had one set of chromosomes. It only had Mary's set because what was missing? Because the Holy Spirit was the Father. Remember, it overshadowed Mary. Now, he brought forth her firstborn son. So this was her firstborn son, and Joseph was not the Father. The Holy Spirit was the Father. Why? Because if Joseph had been the father, then that gene, that seed of the serpent, would have still come down from Adam down into Jesus, and he would have still been born in sin. 
we're all born in sin because we all have inherited that same seed. I don't understand how that happens, but it's something in our DNA, something in our heart, something in our spirit. It is put in our spirit to do wrong. But in that the Holy Spirit was the Father, that was not there. So Jesus genetically was half Mary and half God, half man, half God. And I believe that the Antichrist is going to be half man, half Lucifer. Anyway, wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Now, growing up, I thought, okay, well, whatever, you know, swaddling clothes. Actually, that's very important. That's going to tie together. Because when a child, we've had some young children. If you've had children, you know that a lot of times a, a baby with their little sharp, their fingernails are like razors, and they'll scratch their face, right? Remember? You've seen that, okay? They'll scratch parts of their body with their fingernails. So they wrap the baby in swaddling clothes, which are long strips of cloth, basically to keep their hands down like this so they won't scratch themselves. You say, so why? So it's no big deal to scratch themselves. Yes, it is. When it's for sacrifice, the Bible specifically said it cannot have spot or blemish. If there's anything wrong with that, then it's not a perfect sacrifice, and it's now no longer good. You, you can't use that for sacrifice. So they had to wrap Jesus in swaddling clothes to keep him from accidentally scratching himself. And then that, just like that, all of a sudden he would not have been qualified to be the sacrifice. And laid him in a manger. Now, all the time I was growing up, I thought a manger was like a barn. Right? You know, all the songs talk about it and then the, the, the nativity scenes and everything. Manger's not. Actually, it was a feeding trough. Now, some people say it was made of wood. Some of them are made of stone. But what it's made of is not the point. This is what sheep ate out of. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Right? And he says, he that eats me shall live forever. So when Jesus came forth, they wrapped him in the swaddling clothes. They wrapped him in these strips of cloth to see that he would not disqualify himself, scratch himself. Well, that's what they did to the lambs. There's only one place on the globe where lambs for temple sacrifice were born. And when the lamb was born, they did the same thing to the baby lamb. Because same thing, if the baby lamb were to fall or scratch themselves in any way before they got big enough to where they wouldn't do that, then they would be disqualified for temple sacrifice. There's only one place on the planet those lambs were born. It was a specific place. And they wrapped them in swaddling clothes. So, I'm going to come back to this in just a minute. <clears throat> Laid him in a manger. In other words, Jesus literally was put into a place to be the feed for the sheep. He's the feed for the sheep. He's our food. So, swaddling clothes says he's born to die. He's born to be a sacrifice, and he is feed for the sheep because there was no room in the inn. And there were in the country shepherds abiding in the field, watching over the child, their flock by nine. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them. I believe before long we're going to start seeing these same kind of things. I really believe, I've said this for years, there's going to be a time 
when we come in here and someone says, I had a dream last night, or an angel came and visited me. I mean, like last week I talked about David Phillips, nine-year-old daughter, had an angel come and speak to her just this, what, two weeks ago. Those kind of things. In the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. We're going to see those kind of things happening more and more. Angel Lord came to them, and the glory of the Lord showed around about them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David that fulfills the prophecy, which is Christ. Now, Christ is a term. So when the angel called him Christ, he was saying, He is the master. He is the ruler. He is going to be the Lamb of God. Which is Christ the Lord. And this should be a sign. Now that's an important thing right there. This should be a sign unto you that you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. To us, if the angel would have visited us and said, well, the babe is laying, wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger, we'd say, so. But to those shepherds, that was really big. They didn't have to go looking in Bethlehem. I don't know what the population of Bethlehem was at the time. But even if it was a small city, they could have spent several days knocking on doors even if they knew that, that, that he was in Bethlehem, they could have spent several days knocking doors trying to find him. But when the angels said swaddling clothes in a manger, they knew exactly where it was. Swaddling clothes told them that he was being born in the area and the only area on the planet where sacrificial lambs are born in this one particular place. And... The swaddling clothes told them that he was to be sacrificed. Jesus was born to die. Jesus was born to die for us. He was born perfect to fix that which was not perfect. Isn't that amazing? I mean, he was born to die. We're not born to die. We do die. But he was born specifically with a job to die. Then when they said manger, well, that told them the manger was where they feed these sheep. So they only had to go to the place where the sacrificial lambs are born. There's only one place on the planet that happens, in Bethlehem. <clears throat> and specifically where the sheep are being fed. They knew exactly where to go. Suddenly there was an angel and a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, not singing, saying. This is what a tower, this is going to make sense in just a second, in those days probably looked like. Just outside of Bethlehem, they had these towers. It's called Tower of uh, Migdol or the Tower of uh, the Sacrifice. That's not the right word. They watched to keep the wolves away from the sheep and things like that, to see that the sheep were not bothered at night. Here's Bethlehem. Just outside of Bethlehem is Migdal Eder. I know that's a strange word, but that's, there's a tower called Migdal Eder. And this is probably similar to what it looked like. It wasn't in a holiday inn. They didn't have a neon sign up that said, you know, no, no, or, no vacancy. There was none of that. So when they went in there, the shepherds, they knew exactly where to look. They walked right in. They saw they were looking for a baby that was in a feeding trough or a manger 
where the lambs were sacrificed. The Bible goes on to say, Glory to God in the heavens. Try again. Glory to God in the highest on earth. Peace. Goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angel was gone away from then and into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go to Bethlehem. How'd they know it was Bethlehem? The angel didn't say Bethlehem. Babel said, the angel just said swaddling clothes and manger. But they knew where that was. They knew that that was. And at the time, they were probably at this tower or in the area of this tower, which is just outside of Bethlehem. So it probably didn't take them even an hour to get there. They knew. Bethlehem, and see us this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And so they came with haste, I'm going to say under an hour, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger, the feeding trough for sheep. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which told them concerning the child. And all they that heard wondered at those things were told by them by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was also named by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, why eight days? Yeah, I don't know, you know, been in this Christianity stuff for a long time, but someplace back there, some person like a nurse or something explained to us that the immune system of a baby is at the highest on the eighth day, and that's the reason they circumcise them. You know what circumcising is, right? It's removing, how do I say this? Maybe I don't want to say that. <laughs> got it, you got it, okay. Now, here's the scripture talking about it, the tower of the flock. This is the tower of the flock. They build a tower so they can watch over and keep the wolves away from the sheep. And thou, O tower of flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come. Even the first dominion, that means rulership, and the kingdom shall come into the daughter of Jerusalem. So this prophecy says he's going to be born at the tower of the flock, which is something like this, or in Migdal Eder, which is just outside of Bethlehem. Moving on. Moving on. There we go. Then the next scripture says, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me, that is, be ruler in Israel. So this scripture here said he's going to be born in Bethlehem. This scripture says at the tower of the flock, where they, they birth the, the lambs for a temple sacrifice, where they wrap them in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. So they knew exactly where to go. They knew exactly what they were looking for. When the days of purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written by the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer sacrifice according to that which was said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle loves, two young pigeons. One of the, the Bible says that... <clears throat> Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there's no washing or no cleansing of the sins, which is one of the reasons they do the sacrifice to the males. That's the first thing that is cleansing that male. But then they also bring two turtle doves and two young pigeons for, 
further cleansing of the soul. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout. May we all be just and devout. What does just mean? It means he's not breaking God's laws. And devout means that he's not doing other things. All he does is serve the Lord. So he's clean. He's following God's laws. He doesn't do other work. He's devout. He just serves the Lord. And waiting for the consolation of Israel, or waiting for the rise of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him, and has revealed him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Lord's Messiah. And he came by the Spirit in the temple when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him the custom of the law. Now, how old is Jesus right now? Eight days old. Try to imagine this. So you're taking your child in, you're bringing two turtle doves, whatever the other thing was, and you're, you're presenting him. This is also the time he's circumcised. The person in the temple that's one of the primary people at the temple, this is what he says. So as they walk in with Jesus, the leader at the temple says, took Jesus in his arms, blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thou servant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, as a light to lighten the Gentiles. Jesus is the light of the world, remember? Okay? It's not just about wisdom, it's literally he is the light. To lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph, his mother, marveled at those. I mean, they, she, they were amazed. This is the, the leader of the temple. So they hand Jesus to him. He lifts up Jesus, and he begins to say this over Jesus. A just and devout man, a leader of the temple. Then he says, and Simon blessed them, and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. What does that mean? The fall and rise. Many people, because before Jesus came, before the law, there was not as many people that fell. That makes sense. But after the law, they knew what they're not supposed to do. Then they, if they didn't turn from that, then it was a problem. So it says, set for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. Those people that received him were saved. And for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also. What's he saying here? When he was hung on the cross, there was a sword that went into him, right? So try to imagine this. So she's taking her eight-year-old child. Just checking. See if you're listening. So she's taking her eight-day-old child. She knew something was special because she knew she hadn't had a man, yet she came down pregnant. The angel came to her. The angel appeared to Joseph. There was all these amazing signs, which I'm not going into. So she knew something was very special with this child. Takes him in. Here's the child, sacrifice. Here's the sacrifice to circumcise him, all this sort of stuff. The leader of the temple turns and prophesies these things. and says, look at I can now depart in peace. I've been waiting to die, and I've been waiting to die to see your child. Am I the only one that thinks it's cold in here? Everybody's like wearing coat. Can we not warm it up just a little bit? 
Sure seems cold. To me it does. Now you folks that are on the internet, you feel it cold too, right? Yeah, a sword shall pierce through my own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. What a prophecy. What a prophecy. God will not forsake his saints. We already talked about that. So, I think that's the main thing I want to say today. What the Lord's basically saying is Jesus was sent forth at exactly the right time, exactly the right place, he could have stopped it at any point. But this was an agreement made before the foundation of the earth. He was sent forth to die. And before we were born, when that sin, that seed of the serpent, that sin came in, if we naturally do what is in our heart to do, if we naturally do what we want to do, we go the wrong way. But Jesus came to set the captives free. I don't know what it was like before Jesus came, but apparently they didn't have much choice. They just had to do wrong. But today, at least, we have a choice. We don't have to do wrong. A lot of times we choose wrong and we do wrong, but we don't have to. And Jesus said, if you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is destruction. If we do what is in our heart, what is in our heart is continually evil. We do what is in our heart, we do wrong. But what Jesus did is came to remove that seed of sin, to remove the heart of stone, to remove the heart of evil so that we can walk clean before him. You know, I've been saved a long time, since I was nine years old. So I don't really know that I've ever felt the time when I walked without Jesus, you know, where I had to sin. I wanted to sin. There was, remember those days? But we don't have to sin. What Jesus does is allows us a second chance. When we ask Jesus into our heart, he cuts that cord. He, uh, he kills that evil seed in us so that we can walk clean before him. Like it says, he says, I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. In Christianity, there's only one way. There's only one door. Now, a lot of people get mad at that. Are you saying the Jews aren't saved? I'm saying that Jesus says there is one man between God and man, that is the man, Christ Jesus. If you have me, you have the Father, he said. If you don't have me, you don't have the Father. It's as simple as that. There is one way to heaven. That is Jesus. He sent forth his Son specifically to be the Lamb of God, born where the sacrificial lambs, I mean, if, if there had been room in the inn, it wouldn't have been the right place. He had to go out among the animals where the sacrificial lambs were born. Now think about that. 
He was born specifically where the animal sacrifice lambs were born. Then, when he was born, he was wrapped in the same swaddling clothes to keep him from scratching himself. He was put in the feeding trough where they feed the lambs. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. If you, if you eat me, you have life. If you don't, you don't have life. A lot of disciples walked away at that point. They said, eh, that didn't make sense. They didn't understand. But today, we have so much more information we can understand. So, let me close by saying this. If you've not asked Jesus into your heart, if you've not sought God with all of your heart, today you can. If you've not asked for your sins to be forgiven, let me explain. When you ask Jesus into your heart, there's a peace that comes. I talked to a fellow just last night, and he said, and when I was set free from alcoholism, just that quick, I never wanted alcohol again. I've talked to people that said, you know, I was a prostitute. But as soon as I asked Jesus into my heart, I didn't do that again. I was a druggie. I was wrapped up in drugs. Couldn't get out of drugs. But as soon as I asked Jesus into my heart, I was set free. Because Jesus came to set the captives free. We don't have to live that way anymore. We can live and walk in love and kindness and forgiveness. Doesn't mean we will. We still make mistakes. But that's our choice. But apparently, people that have not accepted Jesus don't have much of a choice. They just, it's like, it's like the devil has them by the nap of the neck, you know, right back here, and pushing their nose down into evil and won't let them out of it. But if they'll just turn, I like Bill Sneblin, 33rd degree Mason, 90th degree Mason, or whatever it was. Uh, I forget, yeah. He was, he's a vampire for two years. Literally, all he ate all he drank was human blood for two years. And he was set free, just like that. Peace comes to their heart. A peace comes in your heart. A love that, that passes all understanding. It, it can't be explained. When you ask Jesus into your heart, no one can explain to you what it's like. I remember when I came up out of the water when I was nine years old, having just been baptized, no one explained to me that when I accept Jesus, there's a peace that comes in my heart. There's a peace that came in my heart and stayed there for about three days. I wish it would never leave. Remember that? Do you remember that feeling? How many remember that feeling? Okay. I remember we were in uh, Israel, and we were at the Jordan. It was about 28 people on the tour we had taken over to Israel. And... Uh, well, when do we go to the Jordan to get baptized? Uh, you, you guys, you guys want to do that? It was cold. Okay, all right, we'll go and get get baptized. And okay, well, they have people baptizing people there. No, no, no. We want you to baptize us. So I couldn't get out of it. That water is cold. Now, I was about to learn something. 
So I went down in the water only about this deep. Some of the men will understand why I didn't go deeper. And uh, so I was dunking the people. So, you know, baptized all 28 of them. Came up and looked. There's two guys there, big tall guys that were on the tour, and they said, Pastor, you need to be baptized too, don't you? <laughs> no, 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 not really, no. Yes, you do. Okay. But I was about to learn something. I've been baptized several times in my life. So they baptized me down in that cold river water of Jordan. But as I come up, guess what? I was no more cold. And that same peace came on me. Just like when I was baptized when I was nine years old. I remember when we started the church in Topeka in 1989, uh, this was not my idea either. I mean, sometimes God drags you kicking, screaming into the things that he wants you to do. So we got this other guy. Okay, well, you be, you be the pastor of the church. And uh, that, that wasn't supposed to be. Finally, Leslie came and said, she said, look at you and I are supposed to be pastoring this church. about right okay so we should have got the baptisms going several weeks before this but it was already starting to get cold and at that time a little small startup church we didn't have a baptistry we didn't even have a church building so we had to invite them out the house to the swimming pool which was cold but this other guy was doing the baptisms so I thought that's that's fine by me and man, I mean, he was cold. And there was about 12 or 13, mostly teenagers, and he was dunking them and all. Of, and after two or three come up out of the water, uh, and it was cold, the wind was blowing, it was, I don't know, 50 or so degrees, pretty close to the temperature is out there today. And I looked at several, and I said, you, 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 want, a, you want a towel? Yeah, I mean, no, are you cold? I was cold before I went in, but... I'm not cold now. Are you cold? Like you said, I was cold before I went in, but I'm not cold now. What? You're not cold when you just come up out of that cold water? How's that? All 12 or 13 get out of the water, and they're all saying the same thing. They're dripping wet, just got out of cold water, the wind's blowing, it's probably 50, 55, 60 degrees, it's probably, probably more like 50, 55 degrees. None of them are cold. And that's when it dawned on me. Then I remembered that peace came on me. When you accept Jesus, that peace comes on you. And that warmth comes in you. And it's not about whether you're cold or whether you're, whether you're wet. When, that, when you accept Jesus, that peace comes in. And that peace is a confirmation. All of your sins are washed away. You're getting a second chance. Speaking of second chance, I remember the Lord told me, (laughs) you have to hear my story, but I fell away for a while. I decided to clean my life. This is a long time before I met, well, a couple of years, well, maybe a year before I met Leslie. I decided to clean up my life, started going back to church. He told me, he said, I'm going to forgive you all your sins. 
but if you do it again, I'm going to put them back on you double. <laughs> Some of you, you know what I'm talking about, right? But all your sins can be washed away. That peace and that love and that joy can come into you. And you know what? It didn't cost you a thing. It didn't hurt. You don't have to take some catechism Bible study. You don't have to. There's, it's a free gift. Romans 3.23 says, For whosoever... What is the Romans 3.23? For, for God... <laughs> for all men for all men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It means you can't, you can't buy it, you can't earn it, you can't be good enough, you can't go to church long enough to get it. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth, Confession is made unto salvation, meaning we have to believe Jesus rose from the dead, but we also have to say that we believe it. We have to believe it, we have to say it. Acts 2.38 says, Repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission or for the washing away of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Which means when we accept Jesus, it doesn't mean that we go back to our old lifestyle and we can continue to sin. It means that from here on out, we walk in a new life. We are renewed. We're given a new chance. But he's not saying continue to live in that life. He's saying repent, every one of you. Repent is turning from your old life. When you get saved, when you ask Jesus to forgive your sins, when you get another chance, that means you're probably going to lose some words, Probably going to lose some friends. Might lose a job. There's going to be some changes. Because you're not walking in the way of the world. You're not walking in the way of the heart. You're walking in the way of Christ. They call them Buddhists because they follow the teachings of Buddha. They call them Muslims because they follow the teachings of Allah. So if they call them Christians, we should follow the teachings of Christ. So it means it's a total life change. It's a lifestyle change Amen. to get that peace that passes all understanding. You Christians, you understand what I'm talking about, right? Yes. But there's someone watching that needs to hear this today. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray a very, very complicated prayer. It takes about 30 seconds to say it. But in this prayer are the points that says, I'm a sinner, please forgive me. And if you've not asked Jesus into your heart, you'll feel that peace come to you. And all of a sudden, you're a new person. Let's say it all together. Let's bow our head, close our eyes, no one's looking around. Dear Heavenly Father, <clears throat> I admit I'm a sinner. And I confess with my mouth, and I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, died on the cross, arose three days later. I receive his blood to wash my sins away, to write my name in the book of life, 
to keep me holy, to save me in the day of trouble. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, please raise your hand. Praise God. First time you've asked Jesus to forgive your sins. Okay. Not necessarily that wording, but first time you've asked Jesus to forgive your sins. Okay. Three? Okay. Excellent. Now, not asking you to embarrass you, but Jesus said, Matthew 10, 32 and 10, 33 says, Whosoever confesses me before men like you just did, I'll confess before my Father. Whosoever denies me before men, him will also deny before my Father. So it's very important that you confess to other people that you've now received Christ, that you're now going to follow him. So if you just ask Jesus into your heart for the first time, then would you please stand? Yeah, that's what I thought. They'd actually done it before. Okay. Online. If you just ask your Jesus in your heart for the very first time, then send us an email. And I normally have it up there, so I've got to actually say it now. Contact at Prophecy Club. No, excuse me. Contact at SpiritOfProphecyChurch.com. Send us an email saying, I just received Jesus. Contact at SpiritOfProphecyChurch.com. It's not letting me move. Gotta let me move. All right. Let me just forget it. It's okay. <sighs> Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you would keep our names in the book of life. Keep us walking clean before you, that we would be accounted just and devout. And that we would run the race, cross the line, and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.